worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our singing to you. You're worthy of our listening to you. And God, as we listen to your word this morning, may uh, we walk out of here in a manner worthy of you, God, and the calling that you've placed upon our lives. God, thank you that um, in a time of war, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of pain, in the midst of sorrow, God, that we can have peace from Christ that surpasses all our understanding. And though the world um, begins to sway back and forth and rock, and um, God, as the world around us seems to crumble away, God, thank you that we can have a firm foundation in our Savior Jesus. And so this morning, God, as we study your word, would you speak to us? God, would you change us? Would you make us into uh, the followers of you that you desire from us, God? Those of us, those of us in the room this morning that need to um, to deny self, and take up cross. God, may we do that with your strength, not for our own glory or for our own praise, but God, because we um, we recognize how worthy you are of us dying to self. God, help us not to gain anything this morning um, apart from um, gaining uh, more awareness of who you are. May our eyes and our hearts be open. God, May you this morning receive all honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Glad that you're here this morning. We're going to jump right into Matthew chapter 5. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount together. So go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're on the on the ninth verse there in Matthew chapter 5. Working through the Beatitudes first. of uh, Working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. Learning uh, more and more together about how Christ has called us to walk. So he has saved us. And in saving us, how should we walk? How should we live? And he begins uh, the Sermon on the Mount with these Beatitudes or these Beactions, how your life should reflect on the life that Christ has saved you to. And so if he stepped in our place and he's taken the wrath of God upon himself and we recognize that and we have confessed him as Lord of our life and we have um, decided to follow him, how should we How should we walk? And ultimately through the Sermon on the Mount we see a, a constant theme. We see the this theme of uh, thy will be done. Christ is saying that um, that his will, God's will be done in our life. And he says something um, interesting. He says, as, it's, uh, as it is in heaven, so let it be on earth. Uh, on earth as it is in heaven. And so we get to, as the church, represent what heaven will be like. I know that's a lot of pressure on you and I, but the church, the bride of Christ, gets to be the representatives of what heaven will or does look like. And so we get to be these uh, these ambassadors for Christ. And as we'll talk tonight, if you come back tonight, we'll really get to talk about what it means to be these ministers of reconciliation, something that we talk a lot about. But um, but reconciliation is this word that we, um, we, we kind of skip over sometimes. We forget what Christ has done for us, that he's reconciled us to himself through his dying on the cross, through his conquering of sin, through his removal of sin, through his conquering of death, uh, resurrecting from the grave and reconciling us to God himself through his sacrifice for us. And so when we see that, we recognize that, then we get to be these representatives who represent reconciliation or who represent peace between us and God. Christ steps in as the Prince of Peace, as the one who's a son of the king of peace, he steps in and gives us this representation of what peace looks like with God. No longer separated, but instead in right relationship with God. And we get to represent that. And so Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall become, they shall be called sons of God. They shall become children and be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Have you ever stepped into a fight? 
It wasn't a fight that you wanted to step into, but you saw two people fighting or maybe a, a large crowd of people fighting. And so you decided that you'd be this uh, this mediator and you'd step into the fight and maybe resolve the conflict. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a fight that's happened in your home or maybe it's a fight that's happened at your work or school or maybe it was a fight that happened out on the road and you saw an accident happen and all of a sudden a fight breaks out. And so you've decided to uh, to step in and be this mediator to resolve the conflict. When I was in junior high in eighth grade, a group of us guys met together on Saturday afternoons and we played football together. Uh, that we were all from different churches and we weren't just church people, but it happened to be that, uh, that I went to Oak Street Baptist. Uh, we met to play football uh, on the, the churchyard there at Calvary Baptist, just right up the street from where I lived. And then, uh, and then lo and behold, uh, the, the pastor of First Baptist Colorado City where I grew up, uh, he had four sons and they all showed up too. And they were a perfect example of what holiness and purity and uh, all the things that Christ has saved them, righteousness. They were the perfect preacher's kids, just like my own. They were perfect in that. And so uh, so we uh, we began playing every Saturday afternoon, playing football. And when I'm in eighth grade, um, a fight breaks out between two of the preacher's kids. They were twin twin brothers, Patrick and Christopher. And uh, they begin fighting. And who knows, really, let I me mean, catch this for a second, the, the fight really wasn't about who was the better football player. You know that, right? It wasn't about who made a better tackle or who made the better, the best catch uh, or how many yards was actually ran or should there have been a, a flag on the play. The fight broke out because of things that have happened in the past. The fight broke out because of sharing a room or the fight broke out because they had to share macaroni and cheese or the fight broke out because their dad was a pastor. I mean, I have no idea, but there was something deep-seated uh, rooted in them that this fight breaks out. And so I... I'm the mediator. Like, I'm the conflict. Uh, I'm going to put in conflict resolution here, and I'm going to stop this fight. Even though it was fun to watch, uh, still the fight needed to stop. And so I step in to stop this fight, and I'm getting, you know, a couple of wounds as I'm going, and I feel some punches and some scratches, and they weren't really great fighters because they're pastor's kids, but they were doing their best. And uh, as the fight finally ended with me standing and holding them uh, apart and saying, this needs to end, this is ridiculous, Laughter breaks out. I mean, immediately. The fight, and there's anger, and then I step in like a clown that I am, and laughter begins to happen. And so now I'm feeling like I need to fight. Why are you laughing at me? I'm just trying to you know, resolve the conflict here. What, what's going on? Well, in the midst of the war... I received a, a, a little battle wound and I uh, had no idea. I had no idea that this happened, but in the midst of trying to step in and, and offer peace, I received a battle wound. And what happened was my shirt ripped. And uh, it wasn't the entire shirt, but just a small section of my shirt ripped, exposing my upper right pectoral. And I stand there, exposed in this in this moment, trying to offer peace, thinking I'm doing a great thing, not knowing that just being a clown was enough to resolve the conflict. Embarrassing. And now I'm like, how, how do I continue on with life as I stand here embarrassed of trying to be the mediator, trying to resolve the conflict? Many of you have stepped into similar situations. You hear conflict every day. Uh, you want to step in and you want to resolve that conflict, but then you're, you've been wounded by one instance. And so because of the wound that you received and the embarrassment of trying to do your best and offer peace, you decide to turn around and walk away. 
Uh, thanks be to God. Just I'm going to th- say this now. I like to get the, the, the real point out of the way at the beginning so that when you fall asleep, uh, you're not missing anything. But here's the deal. Christ stepped in for you, and he took many, many wounds upon himself. Isaiah 53 tells us m- m- uh, about this. He steps in for you. He resolved the conflict between you and God. He took God's wrath upon himself, and he becomes this prince of peace, this peacemaker who resolves the conflict between you and God. Well, you couldn't do it yourself. You couldn't have received the wrath upon yourself. I mean, it was so detrimental, the wrath of God, that God himself had to take it upon himself because no one else could could handle it. Christ, as is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, He's asking, God, would you remove this from me? If there is any other way to reconcile the world to yourself, remove, take this cup. I, I don't want to drink this cup. If there's any other way, show a way possible. But then he makes this profound statement, the theme of the Sermon on the Mount, thy will be done. And when we come to denying self and taking up cross and following Jesus, that's the statement we must make every day. We must make the statement, your will be done. If we're going to be blessed, if we're going to be peacemakers, if we're going to be called sons of God, then we represent God by dying to ourselves, denying self so that we can so that we can follow, so that we can follow him. I mean, really, when we talk about being peacemakers, what we're saying is that we want to be people who step in and offer peace in the midst of war. And I know it doesn't seem at the moment because you woke up and no one was shooting at you or no one was um, offering sword in your direction or any of that. It doesn't seem so that you're at war. But let me remind you, it doesn't take a president to declare war. We're not waiting for a dictator to, to declare war. See, war began when Adam and Eve decided that they knew more than God. And sin entered the, war, the world, and so war began. And, and never since that time has there actually been a time of peace apart from Jesus Christ. That's why Paul wrote in Philippians 4-7 that Christ will give you peace that surpasses all understanding because, because all other peace is fake. And peace will only come in the midst of war, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of sorrow. Peace will only come through Jesus Christ. We're waiting sometimes. We wait. We, we think we're at a peace time. J.D. Greer reminds us that we are not on a playground. We are on a battleground. And because of that, we, as the representatives of Christ, if you so are, we get to represent Christ as peacemakers. We get to step in in the midst of conflict and say, let me offer to you the only real solution to what's going on inside of you. War is not declared by a president. War is not declared by a dictator. War was declared when Adam and Eve decided that they knew more than God and they rebelled against God. They thought they knew best. They thought they knew more than God. They knew what was best for their life and so war began. War was declared when sin entered the world and separation from God began. As long as there's separation from God in life, there will always be war. Until Christ reconciles you to God, you will never be at peace. No one you work with, no one you're married to, no one that you parent or grandparent, no doctor, nurse, no engineer, no teacher, no pastor, no friend, no cousin, no aunt, no uncle, no one will ever be at peace unless Christ reconciles them to God. 
Separation from God is war. It's a declaration of war against God. We're rebelling against you. And so with that, we have to be these peacemakers. We get to represent Christ, the Prince of Peace, the Son of the King of Peace. We get to represent him as peacemakers upon this earth. Think, think for a moment. I know many of you are thinking, well, what is war? Because war is declared daily, really. As long as sin is on this earth, war is declared daily. So so when is sin declared? When is war? Uh, where, where can we see this happening? Well, mostly when we begin to live for self. So war is just not, the moments of war aren't just things like genocide or, or rockets or the threat of rockets or nuclear bombs or any of that or we- weapons of mass destruction. War doesn't begin because of those things necessarily. It's not really because of slavery, but it is something to think think about. I mean, moments of war just don't happen because there's a dispute over land. It's not just because there's religious beliefs that are different. But I mean, as we read through the Sermon on the Mount, we recognize that war happens when there's divorce, when there's abortion, when there's murder, when there's persecution, when there's anger. God forbid when there's lust, when there's retaliation for what someone has done to you, when there's places without love. We can't love our enemy because we're at war against them, so we think. War happens, moments of war happens when you struggle with giving or not giving or sharing your resources or keeping them to yourself. War happens when you know that you should be praying and speaking to the Father, but instead you try and do things on your own. War is when you have treasure and you you decide those treasures are more valuable than anything else upon this earth or outside of this earth. And war happens when you look at your treasure. War happens when you're at it, when you're at odds against anxiety. And stress happens and you don't know how to handle it, and so you start doing things of this world instead of relying on on Christ. War happens, moments of war happen when you when you seek to judge others instead of letting the only righteous judge do the judging. Idolatry is a moment of war. Strife is a moment of war. Jealousy, rivalries, divisions, drunkenness, envy, sexual morality, impurity, pride. The list could go on and on and on. And I think as we get to the bottom of the list, we see the root. Who is first? Who is first? That's the moment of war daily. Uh, We use the example sometimes, uh, if you've ever watched the UFC, uh, it's where men and women decide that they want to go at war against someone else, and they put them in a cage. And they say, "Let's uh, in this cage there's uh, some rules, but it's a limited amount of rules, but you guys just fight each other until we declare a winner. Either someone's knocked out, killed, broken, or whatever the case may be, or a judge rightly judges and says that there is a winner. Who is first? Who is the ultimate fighter in this situation? Daily when you wake up, you're at odds against yourself. You have to choose, am I going to deny self in this moment of war, or am I going to not deny self and live only for myself? Who who goes first in your day? Who goes first in your day? Uh, When we see moments of war, our mind immediately should go to, who is it that's wanting to receive glory in this moment? Is it Christ? Is it myself? Is it whoever's declaring war? Who is it that wants to go first? When we talk about Adam and Eve, that's the deal. They decided that they knew more and that they were first. No longer would God be priority or God's ways be priority, but instead they decided that they would go first. 
They prioritized themselves over what God had decided for their life. And so we are at odds against that. We are at odds against that today. Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we, um, we are not fighting against flesh and blood, though often it seems it wasn't Patrick and Christopher who were fighting against one another. Uh, there was something else going on inside of each other as they fought that afternoon uh, there in Colorado City, Texas, and I stepped in to offer mediation in this conflict. We are, we are wrestling against something greater than ourselves. And because of that, we cannot handle the situation on our own. We must have something greater than ourselves to handle each situation or handle the battles that we, that we face daily. And praise God that he gives us a counselor. Praise God that he gives us an encourager, a comforter, one to come alongside of us, to live inside of us, to rule over us, to guide us in the direction that God so desires for us to go. When Christ left this earth, he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. Uh, I'm not just going to adopt you and then send you on your way, but instead I'm going to adopt you into my kingdom, into my family, and I'm going to give you someone to help you along the way. And he leaves with us his Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, we often say. And so because of that, we, we don't live or fa- face these battles or fight these battles on our own. Instead, God is here with us. He lives inside of us for those who have confessed Christ as Lord. And he guides us in how to handle these situations. Treasures rise up, and we look at those treasures, and the Holy Spirit convicts us and says, fix your eyes upon Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith. Moments of war rises up, rivalries, divisions, uh, unpeaceful moments rise up, and God's word through his Holy Spirit convicts us and says, remember Christ who has conquered all things, who began this world, who is the beginning and the end of it. He, remember Him and His completed work. Fix your eyes upon Him and He will give you peace that surpasses all your understanding in Christ and Christ alone. It's a huge task, the task that we've been given, to be these peacemakers, to step in in moments of war and declare peace in a moment of turmoil. Uh, it's, it's a huge, huge task that he's given us. And because it is so large of a task, he knew that we could not do it on our own. And so the battle that you face and I face every day as people who want to walk in the direction God has pointed us in, the battle we face is will we lean on our own understanding or we trust in God and all that he says for us to do. When Christ says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be sons of God, he's not saying that our heritage is because of how great we are at making peace. He's saying, if you are a peacemaker, you shall be sons of God, you shall be called sons of God, because you're acting as God acts. But why did Isaiah write in Isaiah chapter 9 that our Savior would be called the Prince of Peace? Because when you're the Prince of Peace, it means you're the Son of the King. The King of Peace. Peace can only come from God. And so because of that, Christ came. Our Savior came as one acting like the Creator. As one showing the actions of the Creator. And He came as the Prince of Peace. The Son of Peace. He came acting as God acts. The church today, this is our responsibility. As we said earlier, uh, we are these representatives. We are these representatives of what heaven should be like. Of all places, just a little side note here, of all places, this should be the place of peace. Divisions, quarrels, as Paul talks about, there's no room for that in heaven. And so there's no room for that in the church. This should be the place of peace. That people come here and they recognize this, this place, this gathering of people represent Christ, represent 
all things that are right and righteous and holy in God's name. This place represents what things will be like. And we get to be these ambassadors, these blessed people who are peacemakers, or creators of creators of peace. You think that's enough? Or should we keep going? It's only 11.38. Let's keep going. Turn to Colossians chapter, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians is towards the back of the Bible. It's in the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Chapter 1. We'll start in verse 15. So we say... How will peace come? Blessed are the peacemakers. We need some application. We need to know what, it, what it's going to take for me to be a peacemaker this week. As I go home this afternoon and the Cowboys get beat yet again, probably just by statistics, by their history, as they get beat again, uh, how am I going to be a peacemaker upon, uh, in between my family? As my grandmother's mad at my dad because the Cowboys lost. What should I do in that situation? How do I offer, how do I offer peace? Well, we have to follow the example of Christ. You know, we hosted a funeral here this week, and uh, the funeral is a, a great representation of what multiculturalism looks like and multi-generational. I mean, my hope for this church is that it would be a, a church that looks like Christ, looks like His Word, and in that we would be multicultural, we would be multi-generational. We're not looking to single out one generation or looking to sing out one culture, but instead we would be a, a representation of every tribe, every nation, every tongue who, who gets to praise Christ. The funeral this week, um, Zach and I were talking just for a moment about um, how, how interesting it is that a funeral can gather all types of people. A funeral can gather all types of people. It's interesting that it takes death, it takes death to bring generations together. It takes death to bring cultures together. And so in that thought, it took death to bring reconciliation between us and God, and it takes death to bring peace upon earth. So read this with me. Colossians chapter 1, we'll start in verse 15. It says this, He is the image, he being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The author of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews chapter 1, If you want to see God, you must look upon Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. So, so just for a second, as you stop, as we read that, I want you to, to put in your mind or think about this thought that, that as Paul's writing this to the church in Colossae, he's saying there's no one else above Christ. He has to be first. No one else goes before him. Everything is below him. Everything is after him. Christ is first. How does peace happen? Putting Christ first. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. How were you created? How was I created? By Christ. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all were created through him and for him. Why did Christ 
create all these things for himself. Why were you created for Christ? Why was I created for Christ? Why does this church exist for Christ, not for ourselves? Why is your day tomorrow, if so it comes, why is tomorrow created for Christ? You and I get to represent Christ tomorrow. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. How can you have peace in the midst of war? When you have a Savior who holds all things together. How can, you have the, how can you have peace in the midst of a divorce? Because you know that Christ holds all things together. How can you live in a world that, that, um, that decides that abortion is correct or right? Because you have a Savior who offers peace and holds all things together. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body. He decides where the body goes. He is the head of the body, the church. The church is the body. And he as the head gets to decide where the body goes. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. The word means that he might have first place in all things. Not just Sunday, that he might have first place on Sunday, but that he might have first place in all things. Not just when you're 30 or 10 or 7 or 37 or 77 or 87, but that he might have first place in all things for all time. That he might be first in all things. And as you wage war tomorrow or this afternoon, and you are reminded of this, please, together with me, pray, God, may you have first place in all moments of my life. That, he, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. God was pleased to let him his whole self dwell in Christ. If anyone ever argues with you about is Christ ultimate or is Christ supreme or superior or should Christ have all things be given to him, remind yourself of this verse, this inspired word of God who says that God was pleased to let all things dwell in Christ. And through him, why did God allow this? Through him to reconcile to himself all things. To bring what was separated and what was at war and rebelled against God back into right relationship with God. Reconciling those separated with God, reconciling them to God. For in him all the fullness of God was, was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Making peace by the blood of his cross. See, see, death happens, peace happens when death occurs. If it wasn't for the sacrifice of Christ, we would still be at odds against God. We would still be separated. But because of what Christ sacrificed for you and all, for you and I, and for the entire world, we can be reconciled to him. And in that moment, as Paul reminded us again in Philippians 4, 7, we can have peace through Christ that surpasses all understanding. And in the midst of any moment of war, whatever time of day it happens, we can have peace with God because of the blood of his cross. Do you see when we say that Christ is most important? Do you see why we say that Christ should have first place in all our lives? Because only he could do what he did. You and I are incapable of that. And it's depressing. But what a moment we get to celebrate is we get to sing together things like, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain in our place. What a joyous moment we get to stand together and say, 
Because of Christ alone. We are an equal playing field. And because of Christ alone, we can be at peace with God. And then in that, we get to walk. And as Christ has told us, we get to put into action the attitude that he desires for us to have. To be peacemakers. To be people who represent God upon this earth. Death, through Christ's death, though it was a, a terrible suffering moment, he took wounds upon himself. He took God's wrath upon him. He drank up God's wrath so that we could have salvation. He offers up the, the cup of salvation so that we can be reconciled to God. Christian, believer, follower of Jesus, if that is you, and you have confessed Christ as Lord, and you walk, and you follow him, you and I represent him. And we get to have, offer peace in every moment of life. When your neighbor struggles and says, ah, this, this moment is so terrible, you offer peace of the peace of Jesus. Not good words, not uh, the right words, but you offer Christ. Let me tell you, because of this moment, Christ died for you. Christ's blood on the cross covered this moment. There's nothing more terrible than this. Christ can save you. Christ can offer you peace. We heard yesterday an older gentleman say, when you know where you're going, there are a lot more terrible things than death. When you know where you're going, there are a lot more terrible things than death. We live in a world that we want to be safe. We want to be happy. We want to be comfortable. We want to be at peace. Christ is the only way for peace to happen. Christ is the only way for peace to happen. And so we trust in him in every moment of our life. Isaiah 52, we're going to talk a little bit more about this tonight, but Isaiah 52 offers something that I think is really interesting. See, Paul, when he's, um, when he's writing in Romans chapter 10, and he talks about salvation, he talks about confession of Christ as Lord, and he talks about believing that he is God's Son, and God raised him from the dead. And those thoughts or those actions or those uh, confessing of those things uh, brings about salvation. Uh, he goes on to say that, um, that with what we've learned about Christ, with what we've learned, he quotes something from Isaiah Isaiah 52, and he says this in verse 7, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God, your God reigns. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the ones who walk daily, bringing the good news that there is peace in the midst of turmoil. There is peace in the midst of war. There's peace in the midst of abortion and murder and lust and rebellion and division and strife. There's peace in those moments. There is peace in, the mo in, in moments of racial tension. There is peace. Christ died so that, so that the world could be at peace with God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So you and I, if you've confessed Christ as Lord, your responsibility this week is to go and be peacemakers. To go and be people who, who like God has done for you, reconciled you to himself. You get to go represent that reconciliation. You and I get to represent peace through Christ, the Prince of Peace. We get to be those actions to the world today. Say this. If you're here this morning and you've never confessed Christ as Lord and you're wondering how in the midst of the troubles that I see every day, how can I have peace? It will only come through Christ. It will only come through Christ. You can try and you can try and you can try a, mul a multitude of or a variety of things to, to receive peace, but it will only come through Christ. Struggle away all you want. 
You will never be satisfied. Struggle away all you want. You will never be content. Struggle away all you want. You will never find peace until, until you recognize Christ and what he's done for you. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for your word. We're trusting that it is living and active. God, that I'm at this morning, that it has convicted, encouraged, challenged us. God, as we respond to you this morning, let us respond in a way that brings you honor and you glory. God, this day is not about us, neither is tomorrow, neither was yesterday. We know that it was about Christ. And so from this moment, for those who have not, God, help them through your Holy Spirit to walk as if they are representing Christ. God, help us this morning uh, for those of us who have who have been convicted, not to hold on to that, but instead to confess our sins before you, knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. God, this morning, uh, our desire is that you would be honored. God, we know that through our response of hearing from you, God, that you will be honored when we give you the glory and we will put you in the place that you belong, first and priority in our life. God, thank you for reconciling us. Thank you for giving us a way to be at peace with you. God, help us not to um, to take that lightly. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We sing